You're listening to a brain stew, fresh fright review. What's up, creeps? This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Hey, Justin, I got a question. Yes? What's uh-huh. your favorite scary movie? Dreamgirls. Let's play a game called Guess How You're Gonna Die! Mm. We're here for our spoiler-filled review of Scream 6. That means there are spoilers. So I don't want anybody yes. on social media. I didn't know there was spoilers. Thursday afternoon. We don't want to get messages being like, guys, you ruined another movie for me. You've had plenty of time. Listen, there's already people on Instagram and Twitter that recorded footage from this movie that are using the footage for memes and gifs and shit. Like, so... You know, give me a fucking break. Uh, We are anti-spoiler, as in ruining a movie for people before it comes out. But as you all listened last week to our spoiler-free review of Scream 6, you knew the gloves were coming off for this one. And we are once again joined by B-Ratty, who didn't get an opportunity to see the movie early enough to review it with us last week, so he's here. He is I was probably like, I get kicked off the show and brought back on. He's like, he's like what's <laughs> what You're permanently kicked off. What are you talking oh, yeah. about? You're only here as a guest today because you are, as I was about to say, it is a privilege that we allow you show. to be here today, Brady. My name is Reginald P. Montgomery Gentry Uplifterton. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, um, happy to be here. Happy to be alive. Yeah. Um, still alive. Still alive. Are you happy to have seen Scream 6? I guess we'll find out, won't we? Damn, we're going we to find out. Bum, bum, bum. Yes, well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so, so much for tuning into that spoiler-free episode. A lot of people tuned in in a very short amount of time, and particularly for a movie that most people hadn't seen yet because we released our episode the day before it officially released in theaters so i just wanted to take the time to thank you so so much it is probably our biggest episode since that movie halloween ends came out that no one on the show ever wants to talk about ever again so just don't <laughs> ask we are here scream six since that episode jeremy has broken a box office record for the franchise as of right now it's made over 70 million dollars at the box office a new franchise high for the I mean, that franchise. just goes to show you that effective trailers really, really go a long way because I think that's one thing that Scream 6 had going for it was, is the trailers were fantastic. It did it did, it did not do the Blumhouse thing, which was give you the entire movie in the trailer. It gave you just enough enticing and exciting and scary set pieces and, and things going on and, and awesome imagery to make you go, oh shit, well... This franchise has moved locations and it's in a new exciting place and Ghostface takes me. It looks it looks really awesome. Like it just looked I mean, I'm I'm a casual Scream fan. I'm not a 
mega fan. You guys know this. I've, I've said this a billion times. But for me, I was like, man, this one looks like they could have potentially knocked it out of the park. And I went into uh, this movie, like I said in the spoiler-free review, with a completely open mind. I, I didn't care that I hated Scream 5. I was like, man, I'm just going to go into this one with the, with the fresh take and, and hope that it's as, as good as the trailer. And fuck, part six, and they actually have six in the title. And people mm-hmm. showed up for this thing, and it broke records, which is unbelievable. What franchise has there ever been a part six that did these numbers in horror? Like, man, I, it, I don't know. I can't think. I can't think of the. It, honestly, I can't think of a single one. And I actually looked at all the other franchises, looked at the sixth installment, those that have one. And by that point, almost all of them are semi-failures at the box office. Now, granted, we just had Scream 5 a year ago, so it's still fresh in people's minds. But sometimes even, you know, we know in in history and horror, in those cases like Halloween 4 came out, box office smash, Halloween 5 followed the following year, it was a dud. It It was like 11 months later, wasn't it? It was like not even a full year. It was a very quick turnaround, yeah. So, I mean, sometimes in these cases, people are like, I just saw that one, or they're just watching the new one at home for the first time. But Scream is huge. Ghostface is a monster. He is, I mean, I would say he's right up there with which, fucking Michael Myers. I would say Ghostface is way more popular than Jason which or is, Freddy. Which is wild, because if you really think about it, there was a large gap between Scream 3 and Scream 4, and Scream 4 did not do well at the box office. It didn't. No, I remember seeing it opening night. Same. I was in a theater Friday night. It was not half filled. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I, I, I remember, remember there wasn't much. very many people in the theater when I saw it either. But it's like, it's just crazy that part four. Came, usually, if if one of these installments does not do very well, it's like, all right, well, it still did enough that it warrants a sequel, direct to video, or direct. Now would it would be direct to streaming, but. There was another large gap between Scream 4 and Scream 5, and now all of a sudden, I feel like it's like this phenomenon that's like a zeitgeist, man, where it's just coming around and hearing the the cast of the original Scream talk about how like their minds are blown by it, too. They're like, this thing is getting more popular every day. Scream as a franchise is getting more popular every day. It's just, it's been wild to see, man, I've been going to, to horror conventions for 18 years. And, I, you know, in those 18 years, Scream existed. And I remember there not being a large want or representation of it at the conventions. And I'm not just talking about the stars appearing. I'm talking about T-shirts. I'm talking about, about fans. People, people dressed people up. People talking about it. Like, oh, let's talk about Because when you go to a horror convention, it's like going to Disneyland with a bunch of people that fucking love Disneyland. You talk about all the shit that you love, and nobody was having conversations about Scream. I mean, not not excessively, at least. It was it was talks about Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Jigsaw, you know, shit like that. Well, now all of a sudden, Scream has had a fucking rekindling of interest. It's massive explosion. I think a lot of that is the newer, younger generation exploring film and coming upon it and finding it and loving it and I can see that um, you know as of right now this recording our Scream 6 contest is still active on our social media and I'm telling you right now this is the biggest contest not only that I've seen for us but that I've ever seen for any podcast do ever 
literally over 600,000 people have viewed the contest. And most of the people are younger. You know, they're this youthful generation of horror fans, a new generation that have fallen in love with what Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven created with that first Scream movie. And it just, it is, like you said, Jeremy, a phenomenon. Now, we are here to talk about this movie, and I can't go any further because I can see Brady, his eyes. I can sense something building. You're permeating some kind of a strange it's feeling a boner. here, Brady. Yeah. I don't know. It's like tucked up into my waistband <laughs> right now. I'm sorry. I don't I know how you feel notice. about this movie because we haven't talked about it yet. So me and Jeremy already kind of, you know, let loose on our initial thoughts on the movie. So I'm going to, you know, open it up for you first. Okay. What were your expectations for this film, knowing that you came off pretty warm on uh, part five for this one? And what was your initial take on it after seeing it? Yeah, I mean, so... I. You know, I've been on the show multiple times saying how much I love Scream, and we've done a lot of great stuff with Ryan C. Showers. Um, you know, going into it, I tried to stay away from anything after the first initial trailer because I was worried about the Blumhouse thing where it was like, all right, they're just going to give me the whole thing. They're going to ruin it. Um, but, you know, I liked the idea of them going to a different setting, going to Manhattan, um, New York City. They're going to be away at college. Um, I think my personal favorite sequel of the franchise is Scream 2. So I love the college setting. I love that idea. Um, I love getting them out of Woodsboro again. So I was pretty warm on it. You know, I mean, I was hoping that the writing team would still be able to knock something good out. And uh, yeah, I went into it very open-minded or, or in the words of Creed with uh, with arms wide open, you know. <laughs> Um, do you want me to go into my initial? That was your so cue, let's Jeremy. Go God there. damn it! Let's make our <laughs> escape. Come on, let's go there. I'm something on fire. I mean, we all know Creed's relationship with the Scream franchise. Yeah, of course. Can you um, take me higher to a place? Where Justin's green. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Uh, so should I go, like, you want me to do initial thoughts after seeing it now? Yes. Ooh. Um. Initial thoughts? Unless you don't want me, unless you just want me and Jeremy to talk over you the whole episode. I mean, I mean gonna, it's totally your call. Uh, initial thoughts after it. Um, <laughs> worst entry in the franchise. Shutting, shutting my podcast (laughs) mic down, closing the laptop, spitting on the ground, kicking the laptop, walking back upstairs right now. What the fuck? Uh, I think, and we'll get into it in the review, but I I think that the writing team, the director, have lost all sense of what makes Scream a Scream movie, what makes it good, what makes it suspenseful, and I think that they went for a very much... Michael Myers, Jason-esque version of Ghostface, which is not what I needed from this movie and what I wanted. And if you're going to rip off Scream 2, you need to do it right. And they did not. And again, these fucking directors and writers cannot make a compelling final act with killers. They just can't. They've lost all sense of that. And so I was actually pretty upset leaving the theater. Like, I sat there and was just kind of floored with what I watched. I was like, there's no way that I just watched this movie. There's no way that this is what I got hyped up So it sounds like your experience with this one was how I felt about 5, which you liked 5, so I find this whole dynamic really interesting. It's a little strange. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I guess that is true. Yeah, I feel exactly about this movie like Jeremy felt about 5. Yeah. 
So since we're getting into full spoilers, and we might as well just get into the the deep nitty gritty on this thing. I kind of approached this. I watched it twice. I, after me and Jeremy got to see it, the press screening, I went and I would say tried to enjoy the the fan event that they put on. That was at five p.m. on Thursday. Um, not much of a fan event. You got a poster. They played the Demi Lovato music video before the movie, and mm. mm-hmm. you got to see it in three D, which. I have to comment on right now because I am a 3D detractor for the most part, and it was a cash grab. Unfortunately, post-converted, no depth to the picture. There was not a single gotcha moment or when Ghostface is slashing towards anybody. It didn't look like it was in 3D at all. Um, terrible experience in 3D. Wouldn't recommend it to anyone that you know had the option or thought about possibly going and seeing it in 3D. But to my point, I approach this again as a Scream movie. And what do I expect from a Scream movie? And for me, this had all of the things that I come to love and expect from a Scream minus movie. Sydney, minus Here, Sydney Prescott. I mean, uh, characters aside, characters aside, because I, I knew at some point, and we talked about this a little bit last week, at some point, if it is a requel or we're trying to reboot the franchise in a new fresh direction with new characters. Eventually those legacy characters have to be put to the side or to a lesser role. I did not miss Sydney Prescott in this movie. And had she been in the Kirby role, like it's been rumored that she would have been, that would have been a disservice to the character in my opinion. I'll get to how I felt about Kirby in that role in a little bit, but the movie overall, we always have, a bunch of people get killed by Ghostface in cool and interesting ways, cool chase sequences, characters that we've come to appreciate, know, and love. And then we get the final act where we get the killer reveal. And I feel like, for me at least, Scream is one of my favorite horror franchises. The reveal in 5 was eh. It was fine. It did not knock my socks off. But I went with it because I liked the rest of the movie. I see a lot of people complaining about the same thing about Six, that, oh man, those were the killers, most lackluster killers of the whole franchise. And while I don't disagree with them, I just don't care anymore. Like, that to me is not the point of what these movies are. It's always going to be about family. There's always going to be some sort of revenge angle or some kind of obsession about what came before it. To me, it's what, what gets you there rather than, you know who it is behind the mask. It's never, I mean, it's never really battered who it is behind the I would mask. See, I would disagree. I say, I think that the thing that... Aside from the first movie, after that, it's always a random dude who either wants to be a random person or a family member. And as long as the performance nails that, that's all I care about. I want to be entertained by this. Sure, I wanted this to be Stumacher under the mask. I did, By the point that we saw them taking the mask off, I was like, fuck it. It should be Stu. Why not? We're there. Let's do this thing. And who I saw under the mask was a character that I didn't really care that much about through the movie. Characters. Did I really care about? (laughs) Well, I'm saying the first unmasking, Brady. Thank you. The second unmasking, a character I cared about even less. But the same thing happened in five. I, that doesn't make or break a movie for me at all. 
especially when everything else leading up to it is brilliantly done. And the climax is in a fantastic setting. It is Scream 2 on steroids. Of course, no one's ever going to be able to match Lori Metcalf's Mrs. Loomis. I mean, she is Billy's just over-the-top performances in horror history. You're never going to touch that. I mean, I think there's expectation, and then there's expectation. So going into something, I allow myself to just let the movie happen to me. So I understand some fans' perspective on them being disappointed by some of it, but at the same time, I think what needs to be a good screen movie is present throughout the whole fucking thing. And I guess that's just where we disagree, and that's probably why we have two different perspectives on it, is for me, you hit all the marks, but what you're missing is there's the suspense cat and mouse aspect, the toying, the taunting, the and there is that suspense of who the killer is. I mean, yes, it starts to get telegraphed as the series goes on and the franchise goes on, but you still like have a good time guessing. Like I remember watching the second one, and sure, like Billy's mom was coming out of nowhere, and they did that on purpose, but you're still guessing if it's Mickey, is it is it the boyfriend, you know? And then as you get to Scream 3, you're doing the same thing, and I feel like this movie, 5 suffered from that a little bit, but this one really just, like, lost all care for that. So you would, you like, would, you like Scream 3 more than Part 6? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. And I, and it's fair. And like I said, Justin, it's you, fair. Hit, it's, 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 you hit all the marks with what I'm looking for too. It's just it's missing that key part too of I just feel like it didn't have that suspense. Like they're they don't care who the killers are anymore, and that's a very important part of I think what made Scream so great. Well, they did care. It's just not as compelling to you I, as the other killers. I, were, I, I, I do feel. agree because it's always been. About I do family. agree that in five and six, the killer reveals was kind of like. Okay, well, we're going to go with this, but, you know, this this is something that I feel like both of those movies, it was like, they were like, okay, who are we going to have be the killer in this thing? And it was just a thing where it was like, we're killers, killers, you know, yeah. and it's like, all right, what can we weave that's going to make sense? Like, the story building in both films was pretty good. Like I said, Scream 5, loved the first act, loved the second act. End of the second act, into the third act is where it all started to go downhill for me. But the the reveal in five of who the killers were was absolutely, in my opinion, the most lackluster reveal out of the entire franchise. It was like, oh, come the fuck on. Like, we're doing this. I agree. We're doing I agree. this. Okay. So this sure. one, I thought it was a better reveal than part five. Um, I, I do love the that the fact that, again, spoiler filled review here that it's a family it's 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 a dad it's a brother and a sister that are avenging you know their murdered you know family member who was Richie who was the killer in in the previous Scream movie it's Richie's dad it's Richie's brother and Richie's sister I think that's cool but also I feel like it's just too easy you know what I mean it's just like okay well this we're treating this as Kind of a new franchise that has piggybacked off of an existing franchise. So five is really the canon that we want to focus on. So now it's going to be killers avenging the killer from the previous movie, which again, to me, is easy. It's like, well, okay, that that's an easy out. You know, it's kind of like like doing one of, you know, an action revenge movie. 
while I love a good action revenge movie, it's probably one of the laziest genres because it's just, it's so easy to weave these things. It's it's easy storytelling unless you do something really original with it. Uh, it's just, here's what happened. Now we're out for revenge. Boom, here's the reveal or, you know, here's here's the finale, right? And that's yeah. that's what this is. It's just, okay, well, this will work. And it makes sense narratively why these people would want to target these people and, you know, go to New York and try to, you know, find ways to integrate themselves into the the surviving characters' lives from the previous film, you know, but was I blown away by it? No, and what also fucking sucks is that I knew who the killers were before the fucking movie thanks to the goddamn motherfucking internet. So that's that's another reason why I went into this just going, you know what? I just want to have a good time with it, and I'm going to go into this with with an open mind because I already know. Like, the biggest thing about a Scream movie is it's a whodunit. So what fucking sucks is when you already know whodunit before you fucking see the movie. Th- th- then you're analyzing the whole thing from the fucking yeah, get-go. absolutely. Then you know. Then you know in the opening of the movie that Samara Weaving's character isn't yeah. the killer. Then you know anytime yeah. we see a, a red herring pop up, oh, that's not the killer because I already know the killer. And I definitely the movie plays differently on a second watch because you're you're no longer just waiting for something to surprise you. You already know where the surprise is. And Brady, like I said to you uh, off the show yesterday before I knew your opinion on it, I said maybe fresh eyes on it would give you a different perspective. A lot of these newer horror movies, sometimes I've had to give it a second watch, and I, I think that's a fair thing to do or fair thing to say is that you may need a second watch to digest the movie in a different fashion um, because we do go into these things as fans, um, and those expectations, whether we think they're there or not, they are deep down. And I know how much this franchise means to you. The franchise means a lot to me as well. I think it just comes to the point where we're looking at a sixth movie in a franchise. And the last one did so many things that I loved perfectly that if it's going to do one or two things that are off that don't necessarily click for me, I'm not going to fault the entire movie for it. I think it was just a poor choice to have these characters, particularly the brother and sister of Richie. Be the now. Now here's the thing, I love Dermot Mulroney as Wayne Bailey. He was Bailey. awesome. I dude. loved him. He's I, fine. I yeah. think he's fantastic. I think at the end, he is doing his best impression of Laurie Metcalf and trying to channel this inner cheese. Like he's so over the top, his eyes bulging out of his head. That's what we come to know and what we think of when it comes to Scream. I liked him. I thought he made sense. I didn't see the character of Quinn. Now, apparently she's the one who is attacking there's, Gale. There's no way. In in what is the most impressive scene in the movie and one of my favorite sequences in the history of the franchise, one of the best directed, one of the most suspense, the action and chases Dude, is brilliant I, in that I, sequence. I validate that so fucking much, man. I... I f- I felt every oh, fucking dude, moment. I that. found myself on the edge of my seat, holding my breath, clinching the fucking chair, like, dude, not Gale. You already took Dewey from us, goddammit. Not Gale. 
I mean, dude, you saw me. You, you were sitting next to me at the screening. I literally was holding my hands out like this in front of me on the edge of my seat, trying not to say anything, like holding my fucking breath easily, over this shit. That's how much Just they to echo me. what you said, easily one of the best cat and mouse scenes in the entire franchise, in my opinion, was Gail's apartment. Like, yep. Jesus Christ. I mean... And the cinematography as well, they had the beautiful setting of this posh fucking upscale loft apartment and those wide shots. I mean, when you saw him coming through at her, it was just gorgeously done. Every every fucking moment, her dialogue, the fact that, that they referenced that this was the first time that Gail has ever received a phone call from Ghostface, that she actually speaks to him. In part two, the phone rings, it's in her hand, and she hands it off to Randy. It's for you. Yep. <laughs> she never actually speaks to Ghostface. Yeah. I don't, and Randy gets off. I mean, I definitely agree. Like, this was a really, really good part. I really like Gail's apartment scene and then the subway scene. I think those sequences are really where this team shines when they do slow it down. And it's kind of like uh, when Wes's character was killed off in Scream 5. Ooh, yeah. Again, I think it, it mirrors that. The issue that I have specifically, or another issue specifically, with the killers, is is we need to stop having one of the killers always try to be Stu Mocker. I don't need that shit anymore. Well, what do, what do, what do, what do, you, what do you mean by that? So Jack Champion uh, played the brother Ethan Landry. Oh, okay. Who, again, okay. Oh, you mean, you mean dude, just the completely unhinged psychopathic? Yeah, I don't need that. Amber was in the last movie. You've had, and Jill was that in the fourth one. Like, I don't need that. You know, like, it was enough to even in this one show the TV that killed Stu and mention Stu. Like, is he dead? Is he not? Like, that's cool. Even if you want to bring him back. I'm down with that. I, I, I like that Kirby mean, Kirby mentions that Stu Mocker is dead and Mindy Meeks says something along the lines of like, well, yeah, if you believe that. Yeah. I, I like that the filmmakers are fucking with the fans in that way, you know, because the fans, they want they want Stu Mocker back so bad. And I love that the directors are like, oh, you want that shit? Well, we're going to shut it down and tell you he's dead. And then immediately we're going to have another character be like, well, if you believe that. I love that. Or, Are you no, I don't like that they the, said that we're not going to give you Stu, but then we're still going to make this kid pretend to be Stu Mocker. I'm done with that. Like, I don't need that in a Scream movie anymore. I don't need I, Ethan Landry. But I, I feel like if you're willing to go on a serial killer murder spree, right, that means that you're not probably the most sound person. Like, you got to be a little, you got to have some some nuts and bolts loose. So I, yeah, I, can, sure. I can appreciate, and, you know, Billy very much manipulated Stu in in the first film because Stu was out of his fucking mind and Billy acknowledged Billy oh, acknowledged sure. this is somebody that I can mold to kind of do what I want with this plan that I have. So I I could see how a father, an angry, you know, or potentially, you know, psychotic father that, you know, was maybe already a little unhinged, you know, um, and then loses his son to this this whole thing. I could see how his favorite son. Yeah, his yeah. his favorite son. How he could <laughs> that he was could clear. He, <laughs> he says that shit right in front of that kid. Yeah. I'm like, uh, look, you got this kid killing for you, random fucking people. I feel I feel like the daughter, like she was just like, I'm here to avenge my brother. Like she had all of her shit together while the dad uh and, and the brother were a little bit more unhinged and psychopathic. Um it would have been it would have been more interesting. See, we can't really get into these characters' heads because 
we have to wait for the reveal. So had they hinted at anything or actually developed this relationship between the three, then you'd already know they're the killers. But it does seem a little unearned when they take the masks off and you're like, okay, it's you. Like when she, I'm not even going to lie to you. Like when she took her mask off, because I was really hoping for a surprise second killer that we wouldn't know. And I'll get to that in a minute. But I was so like just... Eh, oh yeah! About oh for sure. Her being one it, of them. it had. I was it like, had no, that girl. It had no impact on me whatsoever. No like, impact She at took all. her mask off, and I was like, oh, it's like chubby cheek. It's like chubby but, cheek girl. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, dude. I mean, at the same time, you know, this is just my personal preference and my understanding of how I'm going to accept things in this franchise moving forward. It's not going to ever really be a huge shocker. What I've always hoped for. And what we've never received is a Scream movie where the, you don't see the killer until the end. Like, you don't know who it is. It's not a character we're introduced to. That would be an exciting thing to do, is have them be someone that you literally don't know who it is until the end of the movie. Like, you, there's, they're not any of the people you've seen. You haven't heard yeah, them yeah, speak. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, who are you? This is a real shocker. And it could be an actor that you you recall from something, or maybe something totally what different I wanna- than that. I don't know if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Sense. It definitely makes sense. For what I want to see, I okay, I'm going to twofold here. One is in the very beginning of the movie where we have our amazing, and I'm going to go ahead and say it again, this is my favorite opening sequence of the Scream franchise since the original was in this movie. Uh, when when the I killer... Loved I loved spoiler, it. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. When the killer fucking kills Samara Weaving... And then takes his mask off and reveals who he is within the first fucking five minutes of the movie. I was like, oh my God, is this going to be a... Dude, there were audible yeah. gasps in the, the theater when that happened. We were like, what the I was the like, fuck? dude, is this going to be the first Scream movie where we as the audience know who the killer is the whole time, but the rest of the cast doesn't? Like, that would... It's like kind of like that Zach Morris thing, right? Where you're, you're watching Saved by the Bell and Zach's on two different dates at the same time. And you're oh, like, yeah. all right, yeah, well, how yeah, is yeah. this going to work out? Because I'm seeing both sides. You know what I mean? Like, how is this all going to come together? That would have been really, really interesting. But in Scream 4, initially, one of the drafts was going to... It was initially... Scream 4 was supposed to go 4, 5, 6. They were supposed to be... It was supposed to be the start of a new trilogy. And originally, it was written that Jill gets away with it. And that in the next movie, she's moved on with her life when she starts receiving phone calls and when Ghostface starts killing that I know what you did and I'm going to tell the world was going to be Scream, the original Scream 5. And I think that something like that would be really interesting or you don't find out who the fuck it is at all and the killer never gets killed, the killer never gets caught and then we go into the next one of these characters already looking over their shoulders because we don't know who that was and they're still out there. This is... This, of course, is just wishful thinking yeah, on our yeah, part yeah. because these are some ideas that you could that you could do in order to try to do something fresh with it. But at the same time, I feel like as much as this ending disappointed Brady, for example, and, and like I said, <laughs> I wasn't wild about who it was in terms of under yeah, the masks same. themselves. There, there's still that part of a scream where the audience, the general audience, or even the casual audience per se, expects that oh this okay this is what we're going to get from it it would have been great for them to challenge us a little bit more but i know a lot of people they had that rumor we even talked about it on the show here and there like 
how crazy would it have been had it been fucking Sidney Prescott and had they hid this whole thing that she was actually in the movie and she was the killer. Now that's God, that playing the character against type and a, a lot of fans that would have hurt them, I would say, even more so than what Halloween Ends did to a lot of Absolutely. other fans. Um, so bad choice. But so, for example, just Brady, what would who would you have had the killers in this particular movie? Who would you have had be the killers if you could have just chosen any character? I mean, I'm fine with the detective being one of the killers, and I would have either picked him or Kirby. I think it would have been cool to have Kirby be the killer. It made too much sense. So you didn't, you, I know. You, you didn't, you didn't care for that Kirby fake out because I liked it. But. I didn't care for it. I didn't think it was going to be her. Um, I was pretty much as soon as um, the detective comes out of his daughter's apartment, I was like, yeah, he's the killer. I was like, we didn't even really see her die. Like, I don't believe that she's dead. And that's when I put those two together. And then on the subways when I was like, I think it could be either the daughter or Ethan. And I didn't think there were three. So I thought that was pretty cool that they finally had three killers. Um, But I don't, I guess, I don't know. Like, I probably would have just tried to write a different character. Like, none of, I, I don't like any, <laughs> which also brings another reason I don't like this movie is I think that this movie just kind of, laid bare the flaws that this core group of characters has. Yeah. I feel like in five, they did a good job of spreading the love for the most part. And I think if we go back, we listen, like we all agreed that Tara, Jenny Ortega's Tara was the show stealer. I had a lot of problems with Sam. I still do. I think she's better in this movie, but I don't like Mindy. I think she's incredible. Oh, you don't like I Mindy? Mindy oh, man, is, I, it, I love it Mindy. It goes in the same thing as like every killer having to be a Stu Mocker, I think that they're making right. I don't even think it's her fault. I think it's the writing. And I think that they're just trying to make her Randy mm-hmm. and not giving her her own unique voice. And it comes across as like fake and almost like, like she's reciting rules instead of actually feeling it and living it like Randy did. And I know we're never going to get another Randy like Jamie Kennedy, but like you could put a little more love into it. And like Chad gets away with it. I because think Chad yeah. is just like the lovable, affable, goofy jock. But I just I didn't feel anything for him, and like I always I always talk in every episode that I want to feel something for someone, and I just didn't feel anything in this one, and to the point that when so they're getting killed off or not him. killed off because they faked us out with yeah, three different deaths, too. they faked us out with Gail. Gail's still alive. They fake us out with Mindy. Mindy's still alive. Chad gets stabbed like twenty five thousand times by two killers, and he's still alive. You can pick one and make them Dewey. Because I know Dewey survived a lot of shit through the original three, but like, come no, on. No, definitely, Chad is definitely our, our new surrogate for sure. Dewey in the movie. But, I, I you think know, that uh, they regretted, on some level, killing Dewey off. And I think that in the writer's room, from what I could feel, is maybe they were initially planning on killing off either Mindy or Chad or whoever. And just like Wes Craven, they couldn't fucking do it because they're like i love this character and i don't sure. well that and when you're go. when you're watching dailies you know what i mean like like wes you're watching dailies you're you're finishing up the movie you're looking at the rough cut of the movie you're seeing what works you're seeing what doesn't work and it's just like with the original scream dewey was supposed to die and then as they're watching the movie wes is like i really like that dewey character the the you know the audience is really enjoying him in the test screenings Let's shoot a scene just in case and 
have him live. And in the final cut, he lived. Like, David didn't even know he lived until he saw the fucking premiere. Yeah. So it's it's much like that. And I think, you know, I hate to disagree so much with you, Brady, because in 5, I, I started to like and, and get to know these new characters. But here... It's solidified that I, I love them. the characters. I love I the new characters. Too. I love the core four. I felt them so much more in this movie. I liked Melissa Barrera's performance so, so much more. It was a lot better. Um, yeah. it, uh, she is way more focused in her performance. And her character in the writing, it lends itself better for her to be able to portray this character. In the last one, it just expected a lot out of her. And she's kind of over the top or she's not quite hitting her mark where i mean jenna ortega is just like you know acting circles around here here the relationship is the focus i thought all of that was very well done um the dynamic between the two of them and the core group and you know it's like i i loved mindy you know i i miss randy randy is my favorite character from this whole fucking franchise so if i'm gonna at least i'm getting some piece of him still alive and it's his family it's his blood because we know chad's not the film lover he's not the geek mm-hmm. you know what i mean he's the jock he's the he's our new surrogate dewey the lovable goofball mindy i i want a randy in these movies i want someone that can be the crowds he she's speaking to the crowd in terms of the film lovers we had a bunch of references that's just what scream's all about so who else would you have from this group doing that no one. She just fits the bill. And I, I see what you mean about her reciting it, but I guess you can't, you just can't replicate what Jamie Kennedy was able to do naturally. Dude. And he just took that material and ran with it. He's a comedian, so he just sure. has that. And I'm, I'm fine with her it. being the fill in character for Randy. I have no problem with that. I liked her in five. I just, this one, it didn't do it for me this time. And let, I, it just, let's be, let's be honest. Anytime a famous rock band has ever replaced their lead vocalist with another vocalist, it's never worked out the same. It has never won people over the way that the band hopes it will, and ultimately what people really want is the original lineup. They want the original members of the band, and replacements, while you can go and you can enjoy the music and enjoy the songs that you love, it's never going to be that original person that made you fall in love with the material. Right. And that's kind of what Mindy is. And a lot of these characters are. It's it's like replacing a lineup in a famous rock band where it's like, you know, yeah, there's things about this that I really love and I really enjoy. But it's never going to be we're never going to have that Randy again because they fucking offed him. We're never going to have that Dewey again because they often will have things that are, you know, done in a way uh, that pays you know homage to them and will remind you remind you of them but you know that's what sucks about these these characters and horror films man is is you fall in love with them and you know the more you know we're going up in numbers as far as sequels go and there's going to be original characters that you love that get killed fuck dude look at look at heather langenkamp and nightmare on elm street 3 like gone you know what i mean and like that's the case for, you know, look look at look at Alice in Friday the 13th. Gone. You know, so like mm. horror movies have have been known for ever to break our hearts with these fucking sequels. So and it's crazy when when this happens as late as it does, you know. I mean, we had to wait till 5 for Dewey to get it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I do feel like they pulled the punch by not killing Gale, but my excitement lies in the idea that Radio Silence has been very clear on the fact that they do want 
Nev back for seven. Sure. They want her back. They're still leaving it open for her. You know, Jeremy, you and I talked about this on our spoiler-free episode, you know, about whether we want her back or not. I, I know you said you don't, don't. really. Yeah. I would still like to see her back in, in the, a certain capacity if it fits the vision for these movies, if she can be a main character again. If she's just going to be sidelined again, and we can get to Kirby here in a minute, Gale, then I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want her in the movie. was was sidelined in this movie, but in a way that it was still, you still got to spend a little bit of time with this character that you've you've come to grow and love. You still got your your traditional Gale Weathers. You still got her reporting scene. Yeah, not got, anywhere near you know, as much the, as as the original four films, but we still got Gale in this one and. And it, in this case, it worked fine because Gail has always been a supporting actress in this franchise. But it was weird seeing Sidney Prescott in five where it was like she was so shoehorned in. And she, dude, she she spent very little time on set filming this movie, which is kind of the case with three, kind of the case with four. You know, so it's at this point. Well, not, well, well Sydney, Sydney, Sydney's actually got more screen time in three than the entire no shit I, re- I remember that she was she was yeah. filming something else at the time and and i only know this because our good friend ryan c showers actually broke down every bit of <laughs> oh, screen yeah. time for yeah. sydney prescott and the entire franchise and i was surprised to know whoa she's actually in three more than which all is crazy because i think that um, she had the but, least amount of time filming on any of the movies until five with three because i think that it was a situation where she but, was filming something else at the time and was like, this is all I can fit into my schedule. So that's interesting. Justin. The frustrating thing about five, and then we could get to six again. I was just going to make a point that she's barely in five, but the whole marketing, the posters, her head was the biggest on the poster in the trailer. Sydney, it's an honor. Like all of that shit. And then she's in the movie for 10 minutes. If she's going to be in the next one, it needs to make sense to the story. She needs to be a main character again in a way where they can interweave her with these new characters and make it natural and genuine and not seem I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say Brady. this is leave her out of seven. Okay. If you're going to have her come back, have her come back for eight and make it a grand return that guess what? Her kids are teenagers now. The ghost face killings spark up. And it's her kids. You know what I mean? And then that way it would make more sense for for her character to be back into it and for her to have a shit ton of screen time because she's been through this and Ghostface has been well, haunting her her entire life. I don't want to see her go through any more hell, though. That's the thing. And that line is sp- spoken in this movie in regards to Sydney having a happy ending. I do want to see that happen for that character. She's gone through complete shit. I would just like to see the epic finale what we are promised in five at least one time if possible if not though i'm totally open to that now brady i'm sorry i'd cut you, I off cut you off a few minutes ago no you're good i assume you have you have a, a point that you wanted to make my friend yeah, yeah i was just gonna kind of echo what you said justin since i wasn't on the spoiler free episode i'm completely open with her coming back to um you know i've said it in the past and i'll say it now i i think she's just as important to this franchise as ghostface is i don't think one hundred percent. I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, well, this just shows that Ghostface is is the real reason you're here." And to an extent, yeah. But like, I always came for for Sydney Prescott, you know, for Nev Campbell. And if she can come back in a way that makes her important to the story again, I'd be very happy to see it. But I don't want to see her come back just to be killed off or to be shoehorned in again, where she's just there to like draw people into the theater, you know, H- hanging around in yeah, the background. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, I mean, 
we'll see what happens with that. But we, that's why I think Kirby Reed, you know, Hayden Panettiere worked what perfectly. What the fuck was going movie. on I with think, her goddamn hair, though? The wig, no, I, dude. What I don't know if that was that? a wig, bro. I think they just, I think they just bro, gave her like no, 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 old no. lady hair, like Jeremy, fifty year old it's lady a wig, hair. Dude. It's a Man, wig. Jer- this is the this is the hardest feeling it's he has about the entire it was a wig. movie. Is, is Kirby's no, for wig. real, because because um, when she was on set, there were pictures of her with her normal hair and then with the wig on, and it made no sense because she has blonde fucking hair. I think that because you know um, of her size and she looks very young to begin with. I think that they were like. All right, she's supposed to be an FBI agent now. We got to age her up a little bit. So they gave her like fucking uh oh god damn it, like fucking uh oh. the the Daniel Daniel called it like lady hair or something. Like it's if you're like an older like mom or something and you're like fucking 40s. Barbara Walters hair or some shit like I don't know, <laughs> some silly ass hair. I mean, dude, she was born in 89, so she's actually in her early 40s. She's older than my wife. If she so, was no, born, be in her, she, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 89. I thought she was 79. Yo, holy shit. So she's like way younger. Yeah, she's than like 34. Right? Yeah, she's 36. Like, yeah. I was about to say, bro, your math is fucked up. <laughs> My math is fucked up. I was like, wait a minute. I was born in 95. And, and shit. Totally, what school did you totally go to, bro? So, yeah. <laughs> write them a, write them a letter. A school Listen, me. I graduated from a very exclusive high school, okay? Yeah. All right. The school of hard knocks. a fancy name and everything. God damn. He's like, she was born in 1989, so she's in her late 40s. I'm like, well, I'm not even 40 yet, and I was born in 84, so. I didn't say late 40s, motherfucker. (laughs) She was born in 1936, so she's at least 27 years old by this time. This is what happens when you, this is why I should be drunk on the show again. I would just, my math would be way better. Oh, my God. Um, But, you know, we all agree then she, like. I think she worked perfectly in the movie. I think what they did with her character was a great thing for fans. She suited the story well, and I loved her mingling with the new Fantastic. characters. Fantastic. Yeah, agreed. And and I liked her. Fans were deeply saddened when Nev Campbell said she wasn't coming back, but then when she was at when it was announced that Kirby was coming back, dude, fans lost their shit. It was like it was like, Fire it was like you know man. what? Yeah, we're not getting Sydney, but we're getting Kirby back, and we fucking love Kirby. Kirby's great, man. Yeah, I mean, Scream Twitter went absolutely bonkers when they announced that, and for good reason, man. She's one of the best characters of the entire franchise. And I, I maybe I misspoke earlier when I said I want my my Randy. I mean, she was our yeah. new Randy before yep. we got Mindy, you know. And that little exchange between the two of them when they're they're sitting there in what is the coolest set probably in Scream history? That old Ever. movie theater. What a cool fucking Ever. idea to have this old broken down movie theater with all of these artifacts, slightly unrealistic that he'd be able to get all of those items. But hey, we're talking about a movie where a detective <laughs> replaces, uh, you know what's supposed to be her daughter's dead body with a fresh corpse and no one noticed the difference. Yeah. I mean, it is a scream movie and I know that I like to use that excuse, fill in the blank, whatever the movie franchise is in order to allow mistakes and flaws to just be shoved to the side. But I mean, we've seen crazier shit happen in these movies. No, I mean, there were a couple of things that I was going to bring up while I was making notes. And I said, eh, it's, it's just can be chalked up to it's a movie, but like at the same time, 
That was one of them, Justin. The other one was, how did Sam not know what Richie's family looked like? Because didn't in five, they said they'd been dating like six months to a year or something like that. And like they're within our age of social media, our age of after if my boyfriend tried to kill me, I would probably find out everything about his family. You don't know what they look like. And then also you said that you did a huge background check on her as a roommate. On Quinn as a roommate, but none none of this came up. Like I in the day and age we live in now, I don't believe any of that. But I was like, I'm not going to get caught up in that. Like it's <laughs> it's fine. Like you have to overlook the whole thing about n- n- not getting to know the family. I feel like is passable for me. I mean, especially you know where we first meet Richie um, and Sam in the beginning of part five. They're like fucking working at a bowling And that's fine, but I think just if you're going to highlight how much they went through to background check roommates and moving and relocating, it doesn't make sense to me logically that then that becomes not passable, you know? If you hadn't have included all that. That's that's actually a legit valid point. It is a valid point. I think him working for the police, you're only going to, especially in this day and age, you're only going to get so far with being able to meddle with files and right. such before you get caught very easily but it has happened i mean you and i've watched enough true crime to see some crazy sure. shit yeah, happen yeah. and, and I, I definitely do allow small flaws like this to be put aside just for entertainment value because these movies have never been the most realistic at mm-hmm. all i mean the first one is definitely the most serious in in, in terms of the tone even though it's probably the one of the funniest of the whole franchise um but I have to talk about this, Jeremy. You and I loved this scene. Brady, you haven't even mentioned it yet, which is crazy to me. Another scene that's a standout that I think is another you know, franchise best is the ladder scene. And this is where they, they, they took the new environment and really ran with something different that we hadn't seen in a Scream movie before. And I likened the ladder from apartment to apartment kind of to, in part two, when Sydney's in the back of the cop car, you know, they're disabled in the back of the car, ghost faces in the front seat, and they have to get out. That kind of oh, a tense so sequence. Good. But this is like times fucking 10. And you feel that height when you're up there. Like, I'm so terrified of heights, man. Like, have been my whole life. And just looking down, I felt that. Like, oh my God. You're like, probably one of the most suspenseful scenes ever in the franchise. I thought it was just brilliantly done. And, you know, ghost faces at the door, and he's slashing and, and pushing through. It was just, I mean, the fact that he got into the house and they were just all sitting around fooling around the table, I just loved that whole setup and how it was executed. Yeah, no, I mean, I really did like that. Um, still, I think the movie scene stealer for me was definitely Gail's apartment and the subway, but this was good. And I'm the same way with Heights. I would not be able to do that, especially if I had gotten my gut slit open like that. I would not have been able to go across that ladder. My vertigo would have hit really fucking hard. And what I do really like about this scene too is after Ghostface gets in where he's just like walking behind and you can just see him in the frame and they do that, oh, that typical like scream, mm-hmm. like the orchestra starts playing a little bit and like you hear the theme. I loved that. I thought that was really good and mean-spirited where he's just like shaking the ladder and toying with her. I the One, one of the things that I really, really loved about this new film that I feel like the filmmakers, this is where they're, they're adding their little stamp in is it wasn't enough for the character to fall from the ladder and fall to her death, but they showed it and showed her head smash into a dumpster before hitting the ground. Like, 
and saw the and result saw the of result it. of Her it. Face was mutilated. I feel like that was a decision that Wes Craven would not have made. I feel like you would have seen them fall, and then you would have heard the sound, and then you would have seen the reveal. I don't think we would have seen the head smash the dumpster and then hit the ground, and then the reveal from Wes Craven. And I think you're absolutely and right. And yeah. I think that that is. Uh, I don't know. That's that's one of the new things that has intrigued me. I'm like, okay, this is where they're taking it up a notch. This is where they're making it their scream movie because everybody everybody Definitely. went, oh shit, in the theater when that happened. Like, dude, that was brutal as shit, and it was fucking great. It was very, it was very, very effective. Um, so we 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 yeah, I was gonna say, you know, Brady, getting to the violence of the movie. Mm. There were a lot of those moments, and those were hinted at in five. You know, sure. when we, we see Wes killed in the house, we're seeing people like, you know, Sam's therapist get stabbed in the fucking face. And you know, we're seeing at the end here, you know, stabbing through the eye or the throat. And we're, we're seeing a lot more of a brutal Dude, I, killing. I'm so, in this movie I'm so glad overall. that you said that. Um, because my buddy Devin made a great point about the Scream franchise, and I, I really think that it echoes true specifically in this movie. He's like, dude, if you really think about it, Scream is just a very Americanized version of a Giallo film. It's Because the Giallo film is a whodunit. You know, it fixates on, on the hands and on the weapons, and you don't know who the killer is until the reveal at the very end, and there's typically, you know, very well-done cat-and-mouse sequences. Um, I mean, look at Dario Argento's work. Uh, dude, it made, it was a mind fuck when he said that to me because I'm like, dude, holy shit. You're absolutely right. And even more so with this new one where you have the insane gore of the knife in a close-up shot going into a character's face, a knife a knife going into a character's mouth. Uh, uh, yeah, a gloved, a gloved, gloved hand, hand with a knife. With a knife I mean, it, dude, yeah, it, yeah. when he said that to me, it literally blew my mind i was like holy fuck scream movies are american giallo films and i think that's kind of fucking incredible especially with the level of gore and violence that this one had and also if you think about it too as much as i love this franchise as a whole there's always been a cheesiness to some of it which also you know harkens back to a lot of giallos which are for most intensive purposes cheesy as fuck yeah. In their own way, intentionally and unintentionally. Uh, but I, I mean, like, those kinds of things, because we know Ghostface has always been a knife killer. But here we got to see him with the shotgun. You know, we talked about it last week a little bit, how, you know, fans, some fans were like, Ghostface with a gun, how could they ever do that? That's sacrilegious. And we all know Ghostface that has always every had a single gun. Ghostface mm-hmm. always had a gun. Usually, usually the not Even if they in, don't, in full costume. With the mask, yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, whatever, and I, I loved that kill, uh, I loved seeing him with a shotgun in the movie, I, and I, I think the kills just upped the ante, more aggressive, more brutal, all of that shit worked perfectly for me, um, Brady's sitting over there dancing well, around so, like, it. I don't, I don't mind most of those, the one that really kind of took me out of it, and I know I'm going to get shit for this from you guys too, like, I don't like the opening scene. I don't like it at all. I think it was probably my least favorite. And uh, I, I, what really took me out of it, aside from no suspense, and as soon as you see Samara weaving, you know that she's going to get killed. And 
Jeremy, I like your point that like it could have been cool to have like you're following the killer to see what happened, but as soon as he gets the phone call, I was like, all right, this is just dumb. And then he finds like his he finds his roommate like dismembered and mutilated in a fridge. Love it. Ghostface doesn't do that. I like that in Friday the Thirteenth. I like that in Halloween. I don't like that in Scream. But that's, that's not what he does. That's, but. Oh, shit, I just, like, punched the fucking, uh... The, <laughs> I just, yeah, he got so mad. I thought you just banged your head <laughs> just, off your mic. I just... I heard he that basically deep-throated the mic. <laughs> right he was. <laughs> Dude, I just fucking, like... You got me so hyped, I just accidentally punched the fucking table that my, uh, my laptop's on. Um, dude, but here's the thing, Brady. Michael Myers is Brady. one character. Jason is one character. So it makes sense when they do similar things in each film. Every Ghostface is different in this series. So who's to say what Ghostface yes. does and what Ghostface doesn't do? Because Ghostface is always different people. So for me, seeing the body chopped up in the fucking refrigerator, again, Italian gore style, I was like, holy fucking shit, never seen shit like this in a Scream movie before. To me, it didn't upset me. It excited me because we were getting something new, something fresh in the franchise. So... <laughs> yeah, 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 that's all we, I got we, for you, Coach Klein. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we still get more of the same. We still get the stuff that we know and we come to expect, sure. but then we get new stuff as well, and that's that's what I appreciated. I loved the opening, and I mean, I literally almost jumped out of my seat and started applauding when you, Roger Jackson. Let's just make it clear right now. He is the MVP of this whole entire fucking franchise. None of these movies could exist the way they do without his iconic voice. He has not been, like, not perfect in any of the... He's been perfection in every movie. He's always on fucking par with what he did in the last one. And when you see this kid getting slashed in this angle and Ghostface, who gives a fuck about movies? And then it goes to the title. Iconic. Fucking iconic. I was like, this is... I knew right then and there that I was most likely in for a movie I was going to love. And for the most part, I was correct. You know who doesn't give a fuck about movies? Radio Silence. <laughs> I can tell you that... Um, they just made another can, great one. I can one. tell you that they don't give so, a shit about fans. I know that firsthand. <laughs> no, that's for sure. So one thing I will say, I know I've shit on them tonight, is I think that they have a really good sense of the modern age and fandom that we live in. And they caught on to it in the fifth one. And now they're really good at showing that social media just mm-hmm. toxicity mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> of fandom. And I know some people call it woke. Some people think that it's overdone. I, I think it's completely accurate. And I think that I really like that in Scream because that is where this festering comes from. That's where it would be. Yeah. I mean, that's where it would be. That's a natural progression for the franchise because if the first Scream was made now, that's what those characters would be talking about. Yeah, and That's what's and relevant. this one makes sense. Like, I love the angle of you know, Reddit-esque things are showing that, you know, oh, all these theories that Sam actually killed everyone and framed Richie, like, and just how it spreads like wildfire. Mm-hmm. I think that was done really well. You, completely unrelated, but uh, another thing that acknowledges that uh, social media can manipulate people is, like, I don't know if you guys watched The Boys, uh, the, yeah. the show on Amazon, how it showed how some of the superheroes were using memes to, like, control a narrative. <laughs> And it's, yeah. it, dude, it's so true, man. Like, shit like that really fucking happens on the internet because people can take, like, wild claims and theories and, like, put enough time into them that somebody goes, you know, this is kind of convincing, man. They might be onto something. So 
I, sure. I find that yeah, no. that stuff really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now. So a character that I really loved uh, in this new film that was introduced in this film is Danny Brackett. You know the hunky guy that lives. You really got dude. A hard I on just I I really liked his character, man. Um, I just feel like it was it was natural, and he was like just a super smooth dude and and smooth character. But I feel like you you only got bits and pieces of him, right? And he was like more like I'm there for you, Sam. Like you know I'll. I'll be as close as you want or as far away from you as you want. I know you've been through a lot of shit. To me, you know, I'm thinking about part seven. And I'm like, all right, so what's next, right? And a couple people have have written me messages on social media and shit like that. And they're like, dude, I listened to your spoiler-free review. I love the idea of, like, a destination wedding. And... You know, one of the characters is getting married where we've gotten through college. You know, they're in their careers now. Now one of the characters is getting married. I'm like, dude, seeing the track record for Radio Silence and what they do with killers in, in these two installments, I'm like, dude, I'm telling you right now, you're going to find out Danny Brackett is 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 going to be a killer in the next one. I'm calling it. I'm calling it be interesting i could see it i wouldn't be upset with either either he's going to be the killer or they are going to heavily use him as the red herring in the next one or he's the opening kill Mm. imagine them married it's at their house it's secluded a new ghost face gets into the house and murders him right in front of her like injures her badly and then leaves her and then so she has to recuperate and then come. And we've never had that before. There's so many That'd cool. Dude, so, never had that before either. Do you think that this storyline with Sam being the daughter of, of Billy Loomis and her having, you know, full conversations in her mind. Pretty's over there shaking her, her like, Having a seizure in, right in now. In her mind with her dead father that she's never met before. Um, do you feel like <laughs> this is story building that they're doing? to a finale where she is going to be the one that snaps? Or is this like a red herring storyline? Uh, they're hinting they're at more it. More than hinting, hinting I feel Like, like the, the, it's been building. Well, I mean, we had that moment at the end. She's and looking she lets, at the mask. And she lets the it ominous go. music plays, and she, and she drops it, it. It's literally her, her dad's mask, and she drops it. And I think we were talking about that a little bit. Maybe it was in a different conversation. But what I was waiting for and hoping for is... After she drops it, we just get a shot of a hand of a person we don't know. You don't see the person, just pick up the mask, and then the movie ends. That would have been fucking great. That's how it starts. It starts with the end of Scream 6, right? Where she drops the mask, and then all of a sudden the camera pans out and there's the hands picking it up, and that's how how Scream 7 could start. Friday the 13th kind of thing. Yeah, that's how Scream Um, 7 could start. Here's what I think with it. I think that they went for something in five that they didn't fully develop or fully flesh out. And then in this one, they were like, fuck, we still have to include that because there's no way you just show Billy Loomis in the last one. It's the Thorn storyline, right? Yeah. And so now they're like, I mean, again, I think this one suffers a lot from quick writing and they couldn't and then Nev not coming back. I think that really fucked them up. And so maybe they'll have time to flesh that out in the next one. I don't think it's going to be what they wanted it to be, though. Whatever they come up with for that Loomis storyline is not going to be whatever their main vision was. I mean, hey, listen, it's a lot better so far 
what we've seen them do than what we got from the Jamie Lloyd thing. And I love the Thor Halloween trilogy. four, okay. where where we think like where we think, oh my god, she's gonna be the killer, and fi-, and then they never, they never even did a fucking thing with it. Um, at least they're playing with it, even though every time they showed fucking DH oh, Ulrich on, so on the screen, Jeremy literally laughed out only, loud. In the press I was the like, only person in this press screening. It was packed full of nothing but film critics. And every time he popped up, I was like, ah, ah, ah. I was like, is that Crispin? Glo- I was dude, like, is that Crispin Glover? Dude, no shit. Dude, I didn't even tell you. Um, I didn't tell Danielle that he pops up. I didn't tell her anything about the movie at all. But I was sitting next to her in the theater, and when he popped up, dude, she yeah. laughed because she knows what he looks like now. She's like, they're trying to make like a fifty-year-old dude look dude, like he's eighteen. And they didn't have to do that because, like, they could have just had him be his normal age, and it's like, okay, like his his ghost has aged. You know what I mean? Sure. Or, or why do we need to see him? He can just do the voice, and we hear it. You know, I mean, it was just like you could do like a Darth Sidious Star Wars thing where it just shows like the bottom part of his mouth, and he's like in the ghost face robe still. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the bottom part of his mouth still looks young. Let's be let's be clear though. But I mean, whatever. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't take me out of the movie or anything like that, but I'm like, eventually, if you're going to try to do that in the next one as well, I'm like, bro, he's going to probably be 60 by that point. I mean, I'm, they're probably going to fast track Dude, it. Dude, there's, um, there's hev- heavy suggestions and rumors that they want them to start filming no later than October. Jesus Christ. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But I, honestly, I would say give us a year in between mm-hmm. this one. Have They're it twenty twenty five. We dude, need no, some abso- absolutely not no. because look, look at look, dude. The proof is in the pudding, right? And whatever that fucking stupid saying is, it was like a year pudding. Like, dude, it was like a year in between Scream twenty twenty two and Scream six, right? Five cream, five cream, five cream. Yeah. So it was like a year, and look at what it just did. It just made. It just printed money. Like it made so much fucking I agree. money. I agree. The and, and, gonna go. That's the formula. Look at Saw. Look at look. I at was Saw. just gonna say it's the new what? Saw. It's it's Dude, the new Friday the Thirteenth. Back when I you could literally, do this. I, yes. I literally was. I was on the phone with my little brother a couple days ago, and he loves Scream. Like it's like his favorite franchise. And I told him I was like, "Dude, Scream is now an event for young people. It is just like Saw was." Just like Paranormal Activity was, those those two franchises, it was they came out with a new installment every year, and young young adults, young kids, you know, and you know whatever, it was an event. It was oh fuck yeah, there's a new there's a new Saw coming up, it, it coming out, or, or, or this Friday, we going to see it? We going to see it? Oh fuck yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna round up the yeah. crew and we're gonna we're gonna go see Saw. We're it used to be every yeah. Halloween. Basically, every October was, you get a new Saw movie. It was an I event. do agree with it that. Was I do event. agree with that. And now, again, that Scream has hit this cultural zeitgeist phenomenon where it's now like, dude, it is the fucking king of horror. Let's be realistic. Um, now that it's that, the studio is going to go, dude, we just made so much money. We're doing this every year until this doesn't work anymore. Right? Yeah. You know, it's the same thing as Paranormal Activity. They rode that motherfucker until the wheels fell off. That they were like, okay, like, we're not losing money. We're still making money. But here's a good point to stop because it's not doing the business that it once was, right? And I feel like they're going to do the same thing with Scream. They're going to keep coming out with a new movie every year as long as people keep showing up for it. Mm. Yeah, well. If they do, I'll be there no matter what. 
from now until I'm 60. Put if it they this keep way. Making them, if, if I'll be there. Halloween ends made the kind of money that Halloween 2018 made. If Halloween ends made the kind of money that Scream 6 just made, there would be a, a new Halloween movie in production right now. But the returns started getting smaller, so they were like, we're going to ease off the gas, and we're going to let it breathe, and then eventually we're going to come back. You know? Yeah. I mean, eventually fans will get tired of it. Eventually you will need to make it special again and make us want it again. That's why I was going to say before you started that, it, it sometimes it works, and then sometimes it doesn't, and then sometimes it works and we do get bored of it. Like, oh, we're another scream. Like, I could wait for that. So I hope that it continues to work. I hope the franchise remains relevant and successful because I fucking love it. And this movie just proved to me again why it is a champion in the world of horror and why it is so special to us. It just knocked it out of the park for me for the most part. I did say last week, and I need to clear this up before we get to our trash it or treasure it, just a few things. I still do think it is one of the best sequels. But I have come to the full conclusion, my mind has slightly changed, 2 is still my favorite sequel. Thank God. So, even though we haven't Yo, done a full ranking pressure, of the series bro. yet, that's the I feel internet like pressure at some you. point, Justin, no one's pressuring me but bro. myself. Be a swallow. No one's pressuring me but be myself. Free. I'm a fucking eagle. It's an eagle! I'm as free <laughs> as a bird. Um, but yeah, so... I have to ask one more thing of Brady before we get to our final oh thoughts boy. and our ratings on this thing. Because you know how important Marco Beltrami's themes are for the whole franchise. I almost cried when Dewey's I know. Theme came up. Oh, yeah. I will say that. So we got Brian Tyler here again. His score for five I thought was extremely lackluster. I thought it was better here. I think he tried his best to capture some of those vibes and sounds that Marco was so iconic and using in the original four movies. Sure. Did you notice the score, and did it affect you? How did you feel about so, it? So, <clears throat> I was telling Jeremy earlier, the, the latter scene, you know, there are, are bits and pieces of the score that really do it for me here. So, when, the latter scene, when Ghostface finally breaks into the room, and you could see him in the background coming over to the ladder, I thought that was really good. They hinted at that, like, orchestral score. Again, like, you're getting goosebumps, um when they're talking about Dewey and alluding to him, Dewey's theme comes back in, which is actually the theme for Broken Arrow. Um, it's, But to me, like, it's still just not hitting it for me, and it's almost like, I've sent you guys, like, songs that it's, like, soundcore, where it's just a bunch of clips of quotes and things spliced together with, you know, guitar riffs in there, and that's just kind of what Brian Tyler's doing here. It's just a bunch of things that we've come to love that he's kind of inserting here and there with his own thing, and I just don't really like it that much. Yeah, I just wanted to grab that point from you because I wanted your opinion on that. For me, I've always said this, and I'm going to beat a dead horse, but I don't give a shit. You know, to me, Marco Beltrami's music to the Scream franchise is just as important as Sidney Prescott and just as important as that ghost face mask. I mean, what he crafted in those first four movies, particularly the first two, I mean, iconic themes that just in my head when I think Scream, I hear those high strings, I hear those... operatic gothic choruses you know I hear fucking this visceral crazy fucking sound to all of the music that really heightens everything and makes it energetic particularly in the chase sequences yeah the score here was a little bit better but nowhere near the level it should have been and it still pains me to hear that when they made five they didn't even contact Marco 
to see if he was available. No one even reached out at all. But ladies and gentlemen, we're down to it here. We talked about most of the movie. It's time for Trash It or Treasure It. Brady, since you haven't had your opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. kind of know where you're left with Opera this one. Opera tuna titties. My opera. Oh, wow. Where <laughs> are you going with this? Um, You know, like I've said, I'm a huge, huge Scream fan. Um, I've always loved it. I've stuck through with it. I, I just, I don't know that I can treasure this one. Like it did, it was that bad for me. And I would rather have ended with five, five cream than have this movie at this point. And I don't, like I said, I just think that the writers are, are trying to do their own thing too much. And they're leaving out the pieces of scream that really made it scream for me and really made it work for me. And also the pacing of this one was not very good. I think that the first act after the kill is extremely slow and you're dealing with these characters who are not likable or are not really giving you anything to work with. For me, personally, I know you guys love them. Um, Sam is still a very unlikable character for me, and I think they're still underutilizing Tara because they're trying to highlight Sam, and that's just not working out. Um, Yeah, I, I just feel like Radio Silence is going for buckets of blood instead of an effective Scream movie, and so for that reason, I have to have to trash it oh god i have to trash a scream movie jesus christ oh well there's a time and place for everything yeah shit's bound to happen jeremy we already heard your treasure it last week do you still stand yeah i treasure it uh this movie made me a scream franchise fan not just a scream 1996 fan um whoa why'd you look at me through the camera (laughs) (laughs) I thought he was looking yeah, at me. Yeah, so hey. I, I've always loved the original Scream, and I feel like every sequel has been chasing and trying to capture lightning in a bottle ever since while replicating the formula. No Sidney Prescott, changing the setting, adding the the gore, upping the chase scenes, giving us that wildly inventive opening scene. All of it just made for a thrilling experience for me, despite me knowing... Who done it and a who done it? Thanks to the internet spoiling it before I even got to see it. So, uh, and that was a situation where I didn't fucking, I didn't seek that shit out. Like I was scrolling as as we do when you know we've got smartphones. We're like, oh, what's going on right now? I'm eating a sandwich. Let me see what's happening on Facebook. Oh, there's the fucking killers for the screen movie I haven't seen. That's great. Um, so the fact that I knew who the killers were ahead of time, time, and I still loved everything else that they brought the table in this one uh dude it sold me uh, i was so stoked so pumped so energized after watching it going wow this is the first time that i have loved a scream movie since the original um while saying that i can also acknowledge that uh, the killers lackluster you know um you know it's not the most original concept for who you know, who the killers could be or why they're doing what they're doing. However, I didn't hate it. Uh, it didn't knock my socks off, but I didn't hate it. So I I thoroughly love this fucking movie. So it's my second favorite in the franchise. So I'm going to treasure it. Nice. Yeah. 
And echoing Jeremy's thoughts there, you guys, basically, if you listened last week to our spoiler-free review, I already know we kind of stand on this one, but I did get that second viewing in before we got to do this, so a little more time to, you know, soak everything in, and I still stand that I loved this movie. I'm going to 100% treasure it. The change in the setting, the subway sequence, the chases, the energy to those chases, the cinematography, Ghostface, just the image Motherfucker, the double wipe of the knife, iconic. I mean, it just had so many cool things for a fan to enjoy. I loved how the masks were all aged and looked different. They kind of Michael Myers did a little bit in in, in making it look a little grayer, older, more sinister. Overall, I'm a big fan of what Radio Silence has done with the Scream franchise, and I'm excited to see where they're going to take us for more. So that's it for our review. Full spoilers of Scream 6. If you like what you're hearing, if it's your first time, thanks for listening. If you've been listening for a while, feel free to leave us a review over on Spotify or iTunes to help us reach more awesome horror fans like yourselves. And if you're looking to see and connect with us on social media, you can find us at Epic Film Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and and, uh, Instagram. Rather, and uh, we're all over the place. We're literally everywhere where you can find podcasts on the internet. And if you search Brady's dad's balls on Google, you'll probably find a picture there. Or you just look at Brady's face because Brady's dad's penis is imprinted on his forehead. Yeah. Forever. It's got a penis indentation on the forehead. I'm going to create a website. It's just going to be bradysdadstick.com. The sad thing is that's probably fucking taken already. It's probably taken. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But thanks again for listening. If you want to let us know what you thought of the movie or the episode, feel free to comment on whatever social media posts that you're seeing this on. I'm Justin. I'm I'm Biretti. And as always, we like to ask you to keep it creepy. Yeah!